speaking with composer Chris Velasco, whose uh, career as a composer has brought to life hundreds of creative worlds across games, films, and TV series. Uh, his career as a game composer has given us some amazing music from hits such as Mass Effect 3, Company of Heroes 2, God of War 2 and 3, Warhammer 40,000, Space Marine, Bloodborne, and recently Overwatch and Resident Evil 7. Uh, he's all, he also scored the new Hulu series Dimension 404. Chris, thanks so much for uh, speaking today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So to start, even though we've spoken in the past, I'd love to hear, you know, again, about your path to becoming a composer. You know, when did music enter your life, and at what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to be a composer? Sure. Um, well, it was it actually came quite late uh, compared to most people, I think. Um, I didn't really start getting into music until I was about 21, mm. and had a... You know, I had played some guitar before that, really, but um, for a couple of years. But uh, that was actually more electric guitar in a in a death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, I I kind of had this epiphany one day in a music appreciation course at the the um, college I was going to, and I heard Mozart's Fortieth Symphony for the first time, and it's it kind of changed my life i just i was so moved by it that i thought man here's here's what i want to do yeah um and so i this was like at a community college junior college and i uh i finished up that quarter or semester or whatever and and then re-enrolled in in all music courses and uh learned how to read music and took piano lessons and um, studied theory and, and history, and then from there um, applied to uh, to a few music colleges and wound up at UCLA and, and studied music there. Wow. So, I mean, you're extremely well-known and in, in demand for your work uh, scoring video games. And so what about video games attracts you as a storyteller? And are they creatively rewarding in a different way than fixed narratives like film and television? Well, you know, um, having having worked across uh, sort of multiple, you know, platforms now—games, film, TV—yeah, um, they. I can now say they they are certainly different. Um, the the reason I I kind of started in games is that just at, at the time it sort of felt like the the path of of least resistance. Really, mm-hmm. um, I was. I was really into um, film music while I was at UCLA. And so, you know, I know, okay, most guys get their start doing student films. And right. so I'll do that. And I, and I did a, a bunch of them. And I just didn't really like where that was, was going. I wasn't writing the kind of music I wanted. And I just wasn't really sure if I was in it for the long haul to do, like, a ton of like kind of bad movies to <laughs> yeah. to try to like find that needle in a haystack. Uh, I had always kind of been a gamer my whole life, and but hadn't really played much lately, and so wasn't really aware of what was going on in games. And I I heard the soundtrack for this game called Out uh, Outlast. Gosh, is that it? I think it's Outlast, and it was um, this big symphonic score uh, had been recorded live 
kind of John Williams-y. Um, and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is video game music now? Like, well, this feels like a better fit for me because I just, I kind of love the big sweeping melodies and rich orchestrations. And, right, yeah. And so I thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue game music. And uh, that's, that's kind of why I, I wound up doing games, really, because the, the style of, of scores just were more in line with, with what I wanted to do at the time. And uh, it's been great. I absolutely love writing for games. Um, now that I've had a little more experience with film and TV, I'm, I'm honestly not sure which one I prefer. It's, it, it's just kind of fun, I guess, to kind of have a hand in, in all of them. Yeah, I think it works different parts of your brain because, you know, you, you're, I know a lot of composers who do all, you know, all three, and, and they say games, they get, a, I guess, more freedom to kind of write these bigger things and stuff that's maybe more akin to, like, animated scoring versus, you know, when you have to fix to a temp track and kind of stuck scoring stuck to the picture which is, I mean, diff- completely different, but still can be creatively rewarding in different ways. Um, yeah, I, um, you know, having just come off of Dimension 404, I, there is something that's extremely rewarding, though, about um, having something with, with such a strong narrative yeah. to write to rather than a video game where, you know, they're like, okay, now we, our next track is another three-minute combat loop. Right. And you're like, oh my God, another combat loop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but speaking of games, though, are certain genre of games more challenging to score, such as, you know, open world versus first person shooter versus strategy, or do they kind of all kind of maybe require similar aspects, or is there different strategies or approaches to those different, I guess, gameplay types? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if one is more difficult than the other. Um, you know, I, Maybe for some more open world type stuff, you uh, unless they've got the budget to have a lot of music, um, you do run the risk of hearing the same music maybe too often. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of a a challenge is how to write music that's going to be heard a lot that won't drive you crazy after a while. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I do this, this little trick when I'm, uh, when I'm done with a piece that I, I call unfocused attention. And I kind of uh, set my, my markers, like loop the track and, and crank up the volume in the studio. And then I just walk around the house and, and do stuff, get the mail, do chores, things like that. And, um, where I can hear the music, but I'm not really paying attention to it, right. sort of like you would in a game right, while you were right. playing. And then that's a great way, after you've heard it like 10 times, things will start to pop out that become annoying. And th- it might it might even just be like one like cymbal hit or something where like, oh my God, if I hear that one more time, that's it. <laughs> um, so th- it's that helps me a lot to kind of create music that is going to be um you know received well over over a long period of time unfortunately sometimes what your favorite part of the piece might be the one that that is constantly sticking out and you know you've kind of you've got to go edit yourself right yeah um so with uh, you know with film and tv there's so many different ways to approach scoring such as you know some composers write suites before 
the film is even in production if they're lucky enough to be on board that early uh you know writing music for the editor to edit to uh, reworking it later coming in when the film is cut and spotting it then but for games is there like a set process of how they are scored like oh the composer comes in at this stage of production or is it more like film and tv work can change pretty much depending on how every i guess production a developer works yeah it's really all over the map uh, i prefer to to come in early of course mm-hmm. and then you can you're in a better position to help shape what the music is going to be right uh as opposed to coming in late where they're like oh my god we need music yeah. and then <laughs> um and it's just kind of a mad dash to get it done um but i mean i'm on a let's see two game projects right now that that i've been on for oh probably two years wow and and that's not you know straight working for two years all the right. time it's kind of off and on yeah, but yeah. it's really given us the time to kind of step back and and view the score and um and make adjustments where we need to um and i and i definitely prefer that as opposed to just coming in and and um done it a few times on like clive barker's jericho and uh, gosh even even Mass Effect three sort of, but yeah, yeah. where it's um, just not a lot of time. It's like oh okay, um, just go like <laughs> yeah. don't think about it. Just, just go. Turn it out. Yeah. Um, but but two huge two huge games that you're you know part of the composing teams for recently was Overwatch and and Resident Evil Seven. Both very different and both you know composing with a group of other guys. Um, you know great team of composers. But so like for Overwatch. What was the approach and what was the goal for music here that may have differed for what Resident Evil needed, which is, you know, had a lot to do with timing and building suspense? Yeah, well, for, for Overwatch, all I I did on that game was kind of the main theme. Ah, okay. And the, the demo process uh, to, to work on Overwatch was they had a their big announcement trailer. And so it was kind of to score the trailer... And then um, whoever's piece they liked best was kind of uh, then retained to, to, uh, to do the trailer and then would presumably be on uh, the rest of the game. So, so I scored the trailer. Uh, they really liked it. I got hired. And then I had to leave for Spain, actually, um, I had a concert there, and I was getting married. Oh wow! <laughs> and and so uh, yeah, I, w- I was kind of hoping that <laughs> they would be able to wait for me when I got back, but they were not able to. Um, and so uh, yeah, so Neil Neil Acri actually came in and um, and wrote a bunch of the the opening cinematic. Um, they. The first like minute or so is is my score, and then they kind of from there that theme I used on that was was kind of reiterated for the for the main theme. Um, but that's that's really all I did at first. That game was actually not going to even have music other than the the theme. Oh wow! Um, and then that that changed a bit. There's there's still not a ton of music in it actually, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I love Blizzard. I love working with those guys. Overwatch is a super fun game, and um, I was pretty excited to have the, you know, the theme that that everybody knows when you 
when you load it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, and for Resident Evil, which uh, is another, I mean, scared the shit out of me playing it. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, you know, with a horror game like that where it has a lot to do with timing and, and suspense, and, you know, in a, in a f- horror film, it's all about the way the movie's edited. It's I think it's very similar to comedy where timing is key there. But um, how does it function in a game where the player sets the pace? So what is kind of the, the function of music in something like that? Well, they so Capcom has a really great in-house audio team, yeah, right. uh, including a bunch of composers. Exactly, yeah. Um, and they, you know, they're the ones responsible for implementing the music, and which is what's great about having an in-house music team because they're they're in the trenches like every day, and they see what the game is shaping up to be and know how. Uh, to use music most effectively in there. And so, you know, all all credit goes to them for really establishing the pacing of the music and and then figuring that out and, you know, letting me know how how it should be written. But we also tried something a little bit different on this one and wrote in a style called Music Concrete, hmm. um, which I was sort of familiar with um, having studied it a little bit at, at UCLA but just more of like in passing like oh yeah here's a thing that was kind of done and nobody really does it anymore and you know now you know let's move on right, right. Um, so but there's a was a very famous Japanese composer named Toru Takametsu um, who was quite famous for doing this this music concrete style um, in a lot of films and it's essentially taking uh, lots of different sound sources, playing them, recording them, and you know, all to, to tape back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, much like a, a film editor would uh, back when they were using tape, but um, go through and splice things that you know, cut and splice and. Um, play things backwards, uh, even scratch the tape up with like razor blades a little bit to add distortion into it and, and create this kind of sonic landscape that, that wouldn't really exist any other way. And it's quite unnerving actually, because your, your ear really never knows what's going to come next. Yeah, exactly. And so in the past, this was all done mostly with electronic, uh, type instruments, but, for Resident Evil, we wanted everything to be organic. Uh, so we, before a single note was written, we recorded a, just a ton of string effects um, with this recording orchestra in, in Los Angeles called Cinema Scoring. And, uh, and then recorded uh, two vocalists um, to just do all kinds of, of just weird... Uh, VO stuff and you know kind of the typical like whispering and shouting and murmuring and and then also things like um, pretending they were asphyxiating or drowning and and just a lot of like pretty disturbing noises yeah and then uh, had this guy Brian up in Canada um, record just a ton of of other effects like sound effect type stuff and some of them were instrument-based, like sort of doing prepared piano, prepared guitar-type weird stuff, and 
but then he also recorded things um even like a like a beehive like full of bees went out there and and recorded these things swarming or, around and wow um and then we we had this uh bespoke contact instrument created specifically for the project uh that had this the string effects the vo effects and the and the sound effects and we used that to as the template for the entire score um so all the composers we're using the, the exact same instrument. And then, yeah, we kind of did this, this music concrete style uh, to do the score. And it, it's really, it's kind of minimalist yeah, uh, for a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I also did some of the boss fight stuff, mm-hmm. but which is, is a little more traditional. Um, but I think it, yeah, doing it this way lended itself to be a really creepy atmospheric score just with kind of unexpected stuff happening. Yeah, I mean it, it is it 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 works so well in the game like it was and it wasn't bashing your head over with it which is was fantastic. It just kind of worked under underneath the surface and created that kind of suspense and tension and unnervousness. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well the the expectation of being scared I think is always scarier than than when it actually happens. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, it's the so I think if <laughs> yeah, if you're if the music is is too in your face for for these uh type of horror games i i think it it can really kind of do a disservice to the whole experience absolutely and especially with resident evil because the, the silence was kind of the worst part because you didn't know <laughs> what was going on and you're and usually you know in horror games it's the music that cues you like oh shit something's about to happen but when nothing is happening you're like what's happening <laughs> you know yeah exactly <laughs> just get me all ready. just yeah. come out <laughs> where's a save point i need a save point <laughs> Um, so jumping out of the gaming world, you just scored uh, Dimension 404, which is uh, an anthology series, you know, but not like American Horror Story or True Detective or Fargo. This is kind of more inspired by, you know, Twilight Zone, where each episode is its own self-contained story. So what was the, I guess, the approach to scoring something like this that kind of where every episode is its own thing? Are you trying to make something where every score kind of is connected somehow, or is it just reset hitting the reset button after after every episode? Well, it's... I would say ninety percent at least hitting the reset button. Wow. Um, there were there were no like big themes that um, that sort of cross pollinated through the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, everything tonally was was quite different. You know, the first one I did uh, the episode was called Kronos, and that that's just kind of a a big orchestral kind of eighties adventure, like Sylvester Goldsmith Williams type thing. Yeah. Um, and then from there it's like straight up horror score. And then another one that, that starts out, uh, almost as a romantic comedy and then kind of, uh, gets a little more weird and futuristic. And, uh, there was a Christmas episode. Like, so there's every episode by design was, was absolutely, uh, scored completely differently. Right. The the only thing that I would say tied them together is um, we tried to maintain this this sense of science fiction and fun in in everyone mm-hmm. um, because it's not like Black Mirror where it's this this horrible dystopian future. You know, it's each of these episodes is meant to be um, you know just fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> coming from the, rock, the rocket jump guys which are they're awesome. right yeah. 
Yeah, so so there had to be that element of fun in in each score, and and then it didn't always work out. But for three or four of them, uh, when you know Mark Hamill did the did the voiceover for it, yeah. and there would always be this this thing where he kind of introduces what this episode is going to be about, and and when it was. Um, relevant i was able to to slip in a little bit of of theremin <laughs> and it, it never played the same theme but it was that was kind of our little like you know wink and a nod to to sci-fi right um and then i i got to use theremin in the in the overall main theme which which starts every episode right <laughs> that's i mean that's awesome so would you would you say that this was um more challenging than something like Freakish, which was also for Hulu last year, but I mean, which had more of a season-long you know, arc. Is it more challenging, or is it is it more fun to be able to just change styles very quickly? Um, yeah, it's it's actually a lot of fun. This was maybe my favorite thing I've ever I've ever worked on oh, so wow. far. It was <laughs> it was a real joy to work on, and and I part of that was changing genres you know every couple weeks right yeah <laughs> um but definitely more challenging than freakish because um, that definitely we established a style and then kept kept going with that exactly and so uh you've got your palette for you know for every episode and um and by the by the end you're like okay i know exactly where this is going now and and oh here's the one sound for this for this kind of situation and, and whatever for uh, for Dimension 404, it was, um, I mean, every two episodes is essentially a feature-length movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it, and it was not wall-to-wall music, but close. So, just a lot of writing. Wow. Well, well Chris, I want to congratulate you with all the recent projects. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, and your music is always, you know, some of my favorite stuff. So, I just wanted to thank you for your time today, and... and uh, Good luck with everything that's coming in the future. Can't wait to hear what's next. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much.